0: Welcome back to the emergency goalies. Uh, I' gonna start the recap, and then I will kick it to Michael after that. But we'll do a little recap. There were three games that the Blackhawks played this week. Um, first game was against the Predators. Uh, that was on Wednesday night. Uh, the Blackhawks fell behind in this game. Yeah, the Predators scored immediately. Then the Blackhawks were able to tie it, but then. The Predators scored two more goals to go up three to one. Uh, then the Blackhawks staged a little bit of a comeback. Jonathan Tabe scored a shorthanded goal in the second period. And then Artem and scored a goal with a little under three minutes left in the third period to tie the game. Uh, of course in overtime, the Blackhawks did what they always do in overtime. They, uh, gave up a goal almost immediately to lose, uh, Forsberg, uh, Philip Forsberg, scored the goal about a minute into overtime to give the Predators a 4-3 victory. Uh, Then the next game was Saturday night, again in Chicago. The Vegas Golden Knights came in. And this game pretty much was the exact opposite of the game on Wednesday, but the outcome was the same. So the Blackhawks jumped out to an early lead in this game. Uh De and Kane scored to go up two nothing. Uh Vegas scored to make it two to one. Uh DeBrinkat scored again. I believe I believe it was De Um Yeah, I think so. Either either way kind of, They were up three to one, the Blackhawks were. And um the Vegas Golden Knights started their started to come back of their own. They scored a goal with um I would say not much time left in the second period. Might have been under a minute, but it was late in the second period that uh, uh, Vegas scored to make it three to two. Then in the third period, it appeared Vegas had scored, but the goal was reviewed and waved off because it was kicked into the net. Now, I don't know if it was a distinct kicking motion or not, but the referees waved it off. But uh, that was only a short reprieve for the Blackhawks because Vegas kept coming And they did eventually tie the game with about five minutes left. And again, go to overtime. And again, pretty much immediately, the uh, Knights scored to win the game. Shea Theodore scored the winner. And it was another 4-3 overtime loss for the Blackhawks. The good news was, when they played Monday, they did not have to worry about an overtime loss. Now, the bad news is, is because they got killed. Uh, they were playing the Devils in New Jersey The Devils scored first To make it 1-0 uh, Then the Blackhawks scored to make it 1-1 In the second period And then Things got pretty bad uh, The Devils scored Not 1 Not 2 Not 3 Not even 4 But 5 straight goals in the second period To go up 6-1 It was pretty ugly uh, Cam Ward was playing goalie, and he got lit up pretty good. Uh, the Blackhawks did score a couple goals to make it six to three, but then the Devils scored again to make it seven to three. The Blackhawks got a couple more goals to get up to seven to five, and then the Devils got the empty netter to make it eight to five. So it was two out of a possible six points for the Blackhawks. Two of the games were competitive, but. That game in New Jersey was pretty ugly, so I'll kick it to you, Michael, for uh, your thoughts on the week. Uh, well, as far as the Nashville game goes,
1: uh, I don't really have too much to add to that. Um, I actually uh, missed part of that game, so um, I I, I want to say I actually fell asleep about like I I think kind of near the end of the second period, so I actually missed the overtime in that. Um, but the uh, for the Vegas game uh, the the Hawks actually played pretty well uh, the first couple of periods like you said they had jumped out to uh, a lead and uh, three to one and uh, you know that they were tasked with uh, trying to hold on to that and they kind of took the their foot off the pedal a little bit and just kind of tried to hang back and defend and Vegas just kept attacking, kept attacking, and it just kind of seemed inevitable that uh, uh, throughout the third period that eventually they were going to break through and uh, tie it up, or, or and or win it, and uh, that that is indeed what happened. Uh, once that momentum kind of swung towards Vegas and uh, they got things rolling, uh, the, the Hawks weren't able to counter it. Uh, so, in uh, they even kind of uh Colton uh kind of talked about it in uh, interviews afterwards that uh you know it was it was a, a learning experience for them and uh that you know they 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 didn't have that the the killer mentality in that game that they needed to that uh you know it, it that's not what he wants is to you know have his have the team try to sit on leads like that and um, so that's at least encouraging to me, uh, but you know, you certainly saw a few uh, kinks in the armor on the defense uh, in late in that game, and then we obviously saw it uh, get blown wide open in the in the New Jersey game. Uh, uh, you know, especially in that eight combined goal second period uh, with you know, like you said, the Devils. Uh, potting five straight goals Uh, cam ward was (laughs) uh, obviously pretty upset with both himself and the effort in front of him Uh, a couple of the goals were kind of soft but uh, the devils were seemingly getting breakaways and two-on-ones pretty much uh, at will against the hawks in that period and pretty much actually throughout the whole throughout the whole game uh, so they they did pull Ward after the second, and uh, came out. Uh, Delia played pretty well in the third. Uh, the Devils were continuing to generate some chances, uh, but we you know we saw a couple of things in that game that I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, I mean, they did go ahead and dress seven defensemen. We got to take our first look at Slater Cuckoo Slater Cuckoo, um, and. Uh, the 7-D man rotation uh, you know really uh, chopped up the defensive pairings quite a bit and there didn't seem to be much continuity and then in that second period uh, especially uh, the uh, Keith Gustafson pairing uh, really got lit up Uh, Gustafson was having a really difficult time out there and uh, we saw uh, Colleton benched him for the third period and uh, uh, they, they finish out the game, with just the, the other six defensemen.
0: Yeah. I just wanted to add into that too. It's I, it doesn't matter because Quenbo would do it sometimes too. I hate seven defensemen dressing. It never works. It's always a disaster and I don't know why anyone ever tries to do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, on occasion, that's all you have healthy. You know, as far as the forward lines, it really didn't make too much of a difference uh, because they pretty much did what they always do in a game, which is double shift Patrick Kane as often as possible. Uh, so the the fourth line was Anisimov at center and I want to say Perlini uh, on left wing, and then it was pretty much Patrick Kane uh, playing right wing on that line for the most part. Uh, they did mix in a few other guys on occasion, but um, Kane was also playing with Strom and uh, Brandon Saad. So uh, Patrick Kane actually led the Blackhawks in ice time by a significant amount over any of the seven defensemen, uh, including Keith. and. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess Keith was probably uh, above any of the other defensemen since uh, he ended up splitting time with – Gustafson and uh some others uh but uh yeah the other um thing I'm not a big fan of is they have kept that Keith Gustafson pairing together even after Yoki Haru has come back um I expected them to uh simply because the the team was winning some games and Gustafson has been generating some pretty good offense and uh, Colleton's been kind of using that Keith-Gustafson pairing as part of a five-man unit with the Strom-Cain line and trying to get those five guys out there as, as often as possible uh, together. And it was generating some pretty good offense in, in most of the games. But, you know, we saw in this New Jersey game the – the way it can backfire and uh, Gustafson is still so inconsistent um, and obviously has quite a few adventures in the defensive zone. Uh, Some bad turnovers, some weak board play, terrible positioning, inability to clear the front of the net sort of things where he just gets caught in between. Doesn't, you know, not always the greatest effort and not always playing smart And uh, Colleton finally saw enough of it. Um, I I really think Keith and Yoki Haru play well together. uh, So I would like to see that pairing brought back together. Uh, We have been, you know, seeing the the Dahlstrom Murphy pairing pretty consistently for a while here. Uh, I think it was performing a little better earlier on, uh, but these last few games, it seems like Dolstrom's starting to struggle a little bit. Um, maybe the case where he just maybe needs a night off to, uh, clear his head a little bit. Um, but, uh, Murphy seems to be playing still pretty well. Uh,
0: that's going to ask you yeah. since, you know, it's only been, he played his first game, but, uh, kooking or or cuckoo or yeah, cuckoo, um, how, what did you think of his first game? Uh,
1: you know, I mean, he wasn't out there a ton, but, uh, you know, he's pretty similar to Forsling and some of the other guys we've, uh, kind of tried here where he moves pretty well. He's a, he's an above average skater. Uh, but he loses some physical battles. He makes some bad decisions. Um, and I don't know. I mean, you know, it's only been one game, but you know, I I can see some third pairing defenseman potential maybe with him, but I, you know, he, he doesn't look like a guy that, you know, he was the 10th overall pick in his draft year, like five years ago. Um, you know, I, at this point it's pretty obvious he's not going to cap one dreamed of having, uh, but I don't know. I mean, he wasn't any worse than Forsling had been, uh, prior to Forsling getting hurt. So, um, I mean, I, I think he'd be fine as a seventh defenseman. They still got Davidson around. Um, you know, maybe you play Davidson ahead of him a little bit to see if you can maybe get, uh, build up a little bit of trade value with Davidson where you might be able to, to get a late round pick or something for him at the deadline. Uh, if he plays a little better, uh, Cuckoo, Cuckoo going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. Um, I can see some potential in them not even offering him a contract, sort of like what they did with, uh, ugh, Anthony declare after they picked him up from Phoenix, uh, last year. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, Cuckoo will get a chance, uh, I think, here to, to show a little bit, uh, but I, I, I'm not expecting much from him. I, this was, you know, yeah, it was much about salary. Yeah, it was a salary, about, salary, yeah, was a salary thing. And, uh, you know, they upgraded a, a late round draft pick to a mid round draft pick. So, you know, there's value in that, too. And uh, yeah, I mean yeah you know, he's just another warm body to try maybe he turns it around a little bit and it gives them a little bit of freedom in case uh uh they decide to make a deal with one of their defensemens with one of their defensemen uh in a trade where they'll still have at least somebody with uh you know a decent amount of n h l experience so
0: yeah and um you know, oh you were saying that you didn't watch like you missed the end of the Nashville game yeah. on uh, Wednesday. And I will admit, I did not watch the uh, Vegas game on Saturday. Uh, oh, yeah, it
1: was it, – it, it, I don't know. They, they, like I said, they played pretty well at the beginning. Uh, the end seemed inevitable. And then in the overtime, they actually had a couple of good shifts at the beginning of overtime where they were controlling the puck pretty good. Uh, But then Vegas got a hold of it and I don't know what Colleton was thinking. Uh, He put uh, Dahlstrom out there as the third, you know, as the third skater, as the one defenseman out there. And Vegas just immediately took it in and scored. Uh, I I don't think Dahlstrom should be out there three on three. Uh, I mean, he moves well for a big guy, but you know, with that much open space, Being big doesn't matter at all. You need your best skaters out there, and I I don't think that that's a a good choice. So I'm not going to say that you know the the loss rests on that decision, but it was certainly questionable in my eye.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, um, because those listeners who don't know, I am a Rams fan, and the Rams are playing the Exactly when that game was going on. So I I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So I'm like, sorry, Blackhawks, but you're not in the playoffs. And watch the recap a bit later. So,
1: yeah, that uh, that is completely understandable uh, under under such circumstances.
0: And actually, ironically, there it seems like the Blackhawks are kind of stalking the Rams because they're going to play uh, an afternoon game this Sunday right when the Rams are playing in the next round. So I don't know uh, what that means, but that's right. That's right.
1: Yeah. I, you know, uh, after the bears got eliminated, uh, my interest level in the NFL playoffs has declined precipitously. Um, I, I think I did end up watching at least parts of all four games, but man, they were pretty terrible games and, they did not hold my interest very long. Um, yes. If a couple of them were, you know, pretty big
0: blowouts. So uh, uh, enough about that. football. woof. We'll yeah. Save that for a football podcast. But, um, so I was going to question, like obviously Alex Debrinkat, incredibly mm-hmm. streaky. He's on one of his hot streaks now, but yeah. I mean, it, if you're looking at the numbers, he's got a very good chance to score over 40 goals this year. Which would be very impressive for such a young guy.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, him and Kane. I mean, uh, I saw the stat the other day. Patrick Kane's already tied his goal output from last year, and, you know, he's played 27 games fewer. Um, You know, Kane's on pace to uh, kind of reach uh, the total he put up, you know, a couple of years back when he won the MVP and uh you know scoring is up around the NHL uh you know i think over the last few years you know we've kind of had maybe like 100 point guy in a season uh, i think there might even have been a season where there wasn't a 100 point guy uh this year though uh it seems like there's gonna there's likely gonna be several uh kucherov is you know blowing the lid off uh the scoring race at the moment uh but yeah i mean De They, they finally did move him back up into the top six. He played with, with Taves this past week. Um, and, uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, I, you know, you want to get to bring more five on five time than he's been getting, but you know, he's been a big, he's been a big part of the, uh, power play resurgence as well. Uh, he's been a, a, a big trigger man on that. He scored several, uh, goals of late, uh, you know, off of nice cross ice feeds from Kane uh, and or Gustafson. And uh, yeah, so that, that part of the game has been working pretty well for the Hawks. They're, they're big couple of guys have been scoring and uh, they're getting some contributions from, you know, a handful of guys are kind of carrying a lot of the scoring load right now, but you know, that's kind of to be expected. I mean, we, we talk about it a lot. There's, there's not a lot of depth on this team right now. And uh yeah, uh you know, it's it oh, thanks too. Right now the you know, other than other forward. than New Jersey, the the games have been pretty competitive. Uh but, you know, like you said, DeBrink has been pretty streaky throughout his career so far and uh if he hits a cold streak here and you know, that leaves the Blackhawks with maybe only Patrick Kane and Taves and you know maybe one other guy scoring uh you know that's going to make it pretty difficult to rack up any wins so uh you know we yeah. may see uh we may see a losing streak here crop up soon if uh, a couple you know another guy or two doesn't
0: get hot well you know the always you know he's only been around for a couple of years now at this point mm-hmm. um but he he does remind you a lot of um patrick sharp just with the the streakiness of his scoring
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Patrick Sharp obviously had, uh, uh, you know, a couple of big scoring years. Uh, but even in, even at his best, you know, he'd go, you know, some 10 game stretches where he might score zero or one goals, but then, you know, he'd score eight over the next 10, 10 games. And, uh, you know, right now we're, we're kind of seeing that with the brinket where, uh, it was more so last year where he got off to kind of a slow start, you know, as a teenager breaking into the NHL, I think he only had like one goal in his first 12 games, uh, you know, and then he obviously scored, you know, like what was it? I think he ended up with 28. So what, 27 over the last 70 games. And then this year, uh, he got off to the good start, but then he, he hit kind of like another 10, 12 game patch where, uh, I think he only had like two goals or something like that. Uh, but then, yeah, I mean, uh, as of late, you know, you can't ask for, can't ask for better production than what he's given, uh, especially on a minute per minute, you know, on a per minute basis because, uh, you know, I, uh, like we touched on, uh, he'd been playing some mostly third line minutes with first power play, uh, unit time, uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's not obviously the most conducive to, uh, keeping up, you know, goal scoring streaks, but, uh, you know, like I said, they got him back in the, uh, on the top line. Uh, so hopefully he can keep it going for a little while and, you know, maybe he breaks out and becomes a little more consistent and not, you know, not doesn't end up being a streaky guy.
0: Yeah. And that's one of those things too. If you're, I'm just kind of, you know, like if you're looking for stuff for the rest of the season, to be interested in you could see like how can he either one of those guys break 40 goals that could yeah, be an interesting I, thing to follow for the year
1: yeah definitely you know there's there's a legitimate shot for the team to end up with two 40 goal scorers uh, that's that, that's a pretty good feat and uh, you know right now I think uh, Gustafson has I think eight goals so you know it's potential for a defenseman to get 12 15 goals as well so you know that's something we haven't really seen with the Hawks much. I think I think Seabrook might have had one season where he had like twelve goals, um, but you know he's mostly been around about, about uh, I think like an eight to ten goal guy. And you know the, the Blackhawks really haven't had a you know a defenseman that scores that many goals in a while. So uh, yeah, I mean they they have guys that can put the puck in the net. Uh, it's finding that little bit of depth scoring and then obviously the the keeping the puck out of the net
0: yes (laughs) if you're looking for a possible quick rebuild in the next few years like get a couple more defensemen that can actually stop somebody you might have a decent team
1: yeah yeah i mean you know the good news at least is uh colin delia continues to play well continues to look like a potential long-term solution at that position and uh You know, that's going to be big, obviously, with not just the uncertainty with Crawford's health, but, um, you know, I mean, Crawford's only signed for one more season anyway. So even if his injury, his concussion problems aren't career ending, you know, it's, there's going to be a decision on whether or not you'd want to invest any type of long-term contract after next year, even if he does come back just because of that uncertainty. So, uh, you know, it may definitely be the case where Delia kind of, he's going to get his audition here for the second half. And then uh, I think it's pretty clear uh, heading into next year that even if Crawford comes back, uh, that it'll at least be a timeshare between Crawford and, and Delia and, uh, or Delia and whoever, if if Crow isn't able to come back, uh, you know, with the, with an eye towards uh, Delia kind of becoming more the, the main focus, uh, you know, probably in, you know, that following season. So,
0: yep. And so I kind of laid the groundwork before by bringing up Patrick sharp, but, um, I thought since we talked about the predators, Blackhawks last week with the playoffs, I thought I would ask, um, you for the story about the game against the flyers game six, the game mm-hmm. the overtime. And I thought, I would ask you where you were and the biggest question about when did you know Kane's goal had gone in the net?
1: I was watching the game over at my mother's house. Uh, she, uh, at the time, I, I, I didn't have cable and uh, rather than uh, uh, streaming the playoff games, uh, you know, I was, I was having some fun and going to some, sports bars on occasion to watch some of the games. And, uh, and then my mom would have me over um, to watch some games over there. Cause you know, she's, she's not a huge hockey fan, but she enjoys watching it. And she knew uh, you know, what a big deal it was for the Hawks to potentially be able to break their big drought. And she wanted to see me happy. So uh, she had me over for all of the uh, Stanley cup games and cooked me dinner. And uh <laughs> Let me watch the games over there. And uh so yeah, I was in my mom's living room and uh you know, watched uh that kind of nondescript shot that Kane took. And I reacted immediately simply because Kane reacted immediately, and guys usually know when they score a goal. And so I started going nuts. I jumped out of my seat and probably like everyone else, not just, you know, I think maybe Kane was the only guy who had no doubt at any point. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I kind of had that, that first one or two seconds. Oh my God.
0: Yes. Yes. And
1: then, and then it just kind of drained for just a few seconds. Mm -hmm. But then once Kane, once I realized Kane had never stopped celebrating and I'm just like, okay, no, no, he, he, he knows he scored. And uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, got right back up to that, that high, but, uh, you know, there was definitely that, that one or two second moment of doubt, uh, sandwiched in between there where I was like,
0: uh,
1: but yeah. So yeah. what about you?
0: Yeah, it was a similar situation. Um, as it with my, in my parents' house in my living room. And, um, I'd been going to, um, during the finals, I took, um, I was, Getting a master's degree in public administration because why not? Um, but I go to night classes, and I took the, um, a constitutional law class that in June. But there wasn't a class on that game six, so he was able to watch the whole game. Nice. But uh, when they scored, yeah, when they scored that goal, um, the thing that I figured out was um, the goalie, uh, Michael Layton. You see, when he shot it, he looked mm-hmm. back and like kind of slumped. And that combined with Kane, I kind of figured out, you know, it might have gone in. And um, I think, I believe my exact quote was, that's an effing goal, we effing won. But I, I, but this is a family podcast, so I'm going to not say the actual word. Yeah, I knew right away because of a goalie. He had that mm. look, he looked behind and I'm thinking, first reaction He's like, it's kind of a stunning thing because you're like, did they actually win? Did that, was that an actual goal? It took like five like, but it took five minutes
1: to like for it to really sink in yeah, and then obviously the the big controversy uh afterwards about what actually happened to the puck, <laughs> who took the puck, where did it end up who you know uh, that was kind of a, an interesting little aside to that whole thing was you know because nobody really knew other than Kane that the puck had gone in, you know who. Who ended up with the puck did the ref or you know people started look you know realized you know a few minutes later is like hey you know we got to get that puck it's you know the obviously the the drought the drought ending goal and uh yeah so there was you know that 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 whole big saga I don't you know honestly I don't even remember how that ended up resolving. I I don't know what ended up with that what happened with that puck, to be honest with you. I'm sure somebody probably
0: yeah. I don't, out, the puck, yeah. I don't think there was ever like a final answer mm-hmm. on that. Not that I ever saw
1: Yeah, I mean I guess we could always Google it, but <laughs> um I mean I'm not really a, a a memorabilia guy like that. So, you know, it was never a huge <laughs> huge story for me it was just more kind of a, an interesting wow you know what, uh, <laughs> you'd never think that a puck like that could get lost but hey
0: but yeah it's that's one of those things too that yeah I never, you know the same thing happened with the Cubs right with the ball for the final out when the Cubs won it was the same thing what happened Rizzo put it in his pocket where did it go so that must just be a thing with winning big games
1: well you know usually what happens is you see something like that with Rizzo where it was You know, somebody was like, "Hey, that—that's the puck." You know, or you know, or that's the ball. Uh, You know, we're gonna delay, and half the people not on the ice, not even sure whether the puck had gone in, and it kind of getting hit underneath the padding in the net, and um, you know, nobody was really thinking about grabbing it. And uh, but yeah, you know, and then obviously just the the celebration for the parade. uh, It was uh you know a work day and it was I, I would have had to drive three and a half hours or more to get in because i'm sure the traffic would have been a freaking nightmare on that day so it probably would have been more like four and a half or five hours to drive in and then you know the same to drive back out but uh i i myself a little bit for not going to the parade but yeah, yeah. I'm pretty pretty crazy seeing the pictures of that though with the number of people uh you know just just insane. But, hey, you know, for that long of a drought to get ended um you know i you know for me it would it had only been what like twenty five years since I'd been you know twenty years or so since I'd been a fan, so mm-hmm. you know it wasn't wasn't quite as uh difficult as uh you know some fans had had it, mm-hmm. and uh you know or even as uh long as you know, my experience as a Cubs fan, cause I had been, you know, a, a, a Cubs fan for longer, uh you know, or, or earlier in my childhood. And then, you know, obviously we had to wait up, you know, an extra six years for the 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 Cubs to win as opposed to the Hawks. Uh, so that was, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, a weight off the shoulders. But I think the big thing with, oh, actually I guess with both of those teams, both the Hawks and the Cubs, I was very confident in both of those teams uh, pretty much from game one of the season. Uh, Both of those teams were similar in that they had gone to uh, the semifinals the the season before. uh, The Hawks losing in the Western Conference Finals to the the Red Wings and the Cubs losing uh, to the Mets in the NLCS. Uh, and you know they kind of went into the offseason and they improved their teams and you just kind of i just kind of had the feeling that uh they were building off of that losing experience they you know they weren't wide-eyed anymore both of the teams were really young and so you know that that first experience i think maybe overwhelmed them a little bit once they got to face you know another really good team but uh, I just didn't think that that was going to phase them the next season. And then obviously both teams got off to good starts and they, they played well in the regular season. And then once those playoffs rolled around I, in both cases, I was just like, this is the best team the, the, you know, there's obviously, uh, you know, there's chances where the pucks are going to bounce the wrong way or, you know, a ground ball is going to sneak through for, you know, in the case of the Cubs. But I was just like, you know, there's a good 60%, 70% chance of these two teams winning any particular game that they're going to play. And even when both of the teams would get down in a series, I I was just like, there, there's nothing stopping either of these teams from winning three straight. I, I, I really felt pretty confident in both of the teams being able to pull it off. And thankfully, they did.
0: Yeah. No, that's the kind of the way it was. Yeah, but they were both... They were both the best teams, but then you're, you never, or a hundred percent, but yeah, it felt, you felt pretty good yeah. about them. But, um, just,
1: you know, I just looked at it every individual game. I'm just like, there's a good 60%, 70% chance that they're going to win this game. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that usually proved out pretty, pretty accurate. I, I, I guess I didn't look at, you know, each team's winning percentage in those playoffs, but my guess is they were probably around 60, 70%.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's one of those things too that, and all my teams, it seems like, when they do win, it can't be easy. It's gotta <laughs> be some kind of wild finish. Like there's always drama. Yeah, like the Cubs going that crazy game they played the game seven where you're like, mm-hmm. oh my god, they're gonna lose, and then then the Blackhawks with that where they actually blow that like blow the lead late in the third period and go to overtime, and you're thinking, oh my god. And then of course the Rams winning the. Super Bowl by like a freaking yard.
1: Hat seeing that game? What was it? I don't know. That would have tied it, right? That wouldn't have won it for the Titans.
0: Yes, but oh my god, that game! <laughs> I'm sure you were, were losing up, your mind. They were they were up sixteen to nothing in that game. In like the third, the they're going into the fourth quarter, and they gave up the lead. And I will admit, because I was only like fourteen at the time, mm-hmm. I, I, I was crying almost <laughs> when they gave up the lead. I'm like, oh my god. And then they threw a deep pass of like a minute left scored to take a seven point lead. And yeah, like a yard short of tying the game again. And I'm like, so yeah, all my teams, when they win, it's like, it can't be easy. It's gotta be, gotta be a grind. But I guess that makes sense. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you could have the, uh, um, the, the hopes dashed from you. Like I did with the, uh, the bears a few years after that, uh, where heading into the game. I was probably 60 for 70, 60 to 70% sure they were going to lose. Mm-hmm. But right before the kickoff, my brother, he, he turns to me, he had been pretty quiet. I, got, I actually got to, my brother drove in and we both watched it over at my mom's and right before the kickoff, he goes, so do you think the bears have a chance? And I said, the only way they have a chance is if Devin Hester scores a touchdown in this game. And then if not three seconds later, the ball gets kicked off. Devin Hester scores a touchdown on the opening kickoff. And we're like, Hey,
0: maybe, maybe. And then building that false hope. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Then of course, you know, Rex Grossman was Rex Grossman. Anyway. (laughs) This is a Blackhawks podcast. Stop distracting me with football.
0: Yes, I know. Um, speaking of the Blackhawks, uh, it's time for uh, you to give a little preview of the upcoming week. So,
1: uh, It's another pretty uh, uh, thin week on the schedule. Just, just a, a three-game week. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, which will be Thursday, we are recording on Wednesday. Uh, they will head to New York to take on the Rangers. Uh, the Rangers are another uh, rebuilding club, uh, like the Hawks. Uh, they got some; they still got some good skill there. Uh, Chris Kreider's uh, had a good season for them. Uh, he's got a; um, he's already up, up over twenty goals. Uh, but they're they're a team that's going to be selling off some pieces here in the coming the coming weeks uh, as we approach the trade deadline.
0: Yeah. And if I remember, about, right, didn't um, Blackhawks beat them early in the year in Chicago. Does
1: that that sound sounds like? right.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That sounds right. Uh, so then uh, that's a six o'clock start, uh, obviously on the East coast. Uh, then uh, they got a couple of nights off uh, before heading back home. They will be playing Washington, in Chicago on Sunday, as you mentioned, uh, it's it's an eleven thirty a.m. start. Um, I guess that conflicts with the Rams game. I, I, I yeah, they're, they're
0: <laughs> uh, two p.m. Central.
1: Two p.m. Okay, so uh, uh, that'll be a nationally broadcast game. Now that'll be on NBC. Um, I'm sure the ratings will be super high if it's competing with the championship games. But hey. Uh You know, uh, the Capitals obviously defending champs. Still got Alex Ovechkin. Still got John Carlson. Still got Braden Holpe. They're still a pretty good team. Um, Obviously better than the Blackhawks.
0: And maybe nervously, to cause some nervousness, uh, Ovechkin's been very quiet lately. He only has like a couple goals the last like 10 games. So you get worried he's ready to break out again.
1: Hey. The the cure for that is the Blackhawks penalty kill. That's right. So, <laughs> um, they'll uh, then have Monday off uh, before the Islanders come in uh, to Chicago. Uh, we saw the Islanders a, f- a couple of weeks back. Don't remember the outcome of that game. I want to say we
0: beat them. No, um, well. I think the Islanders won in overtime. Did they? I'm pretty sure I can look great. What are the many
1: Blackhawk overtime losses? You are right. It was a three to two overtime loss to the Islanders. Okay. Yep. But uh, yeah, so that was just a couple weeks ago, but um, you know, Matthew Barzal is their young star. He is dynamic. Uh, I don't think, you know, he's not widely known throughout the NHL fan bases. I don't think, um, as a guy who, you know, in his rookie year, he put up a big season, but they still had DeVarres on that team, uh, kind of taking the spotlight, especially with his pending free agency. Uh, but uh, Barzal yeah, taking, taking
0: over the. Yeah, kind of driving into the playoffs. So, yeah, but yeah, you're in a pretty good playoff position right now. So.
1: Yeah. So not only Barslow but um, uh, Robin Leonard. Uh, in net has been one of the better off the field storylines off the ice storylines uh, of the NHL season. Uh, he's a guy who was a goalie that had, you know, shown a lot of promise with Ottawa and then uh, got traded to Buffalo uh, in a, in a fairly big trade. I think it was a draft day trade um, a couple of years back, but
0: kind of struggled. He write like a, yeah, didn't he write like an article about he had mental health issues when he was dealing with like the struggles in Buffalo? I think is what year?
1: Yeah, like yeah. yeah. Wrote? Yep. Yeah. In the in the Players Tribune, I would highly recommend anyone who's interested in that sort of thing to seek that out. It was a a, a very enlightening uh, interview uh, dealing with mental health, which is generally something that is you know not talked about by professional athletes, especially professional athletes who are uh, still in the middle of their career and even more so professional athletes who have just been released by their team and are looking for a new one. Um, But uh, thankfully, the Islanders were willing to give him a chance and he's seemingly uh, got his life... uh, in order and, uh, is, is, is dealing with his problems very well because he has turned in a, just a fantastic season for them. And, uh, you know, like you said, they're, they're challenging for a playoff spot and they're, they're, they're a fun team. Um, so yeah, you know, we're going to, uh, the, the Rangers aren't, aren't a great team, but they got some fun players still. And then obviously Washington's got a lot of star power and the Islanders, even though, you know, maybe not household names, uh, they've got, uh, you know, a nice young core there with some, you know, some entertaining players as well. So, uh, my common refrain with the Blackhawks is they may be bad, but they are not boring. That's right. I don't expect any of these three games to be boring.
0: Yep. Well, I guess that's all the time for this week and we we'll have plenty more on the football podcast. This is turning into it <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, a little Cubs action in there too. Yep. Maybe next, maybe next week we'll have Bryce Harper to talk about. You never know.
0: You never yeah, know. <laughs> that would be nice, but I don't think so. Yeah. Me either. Um, all right. So as always, I am STH 85 on Twitter and Michael. MJ underscore Ernst. Yep. And you can subscribe on iTunes and, Leave a comment or rating if you want. Preferably a good rating, but whatever rating you want to leave. And uh, thank you for listening.